This is the Elevate Student Ministry Podcast. Hi, I'm Pastor Dominic. Welcome to Elevate, the student ministry of Living Word Church, where we exist to exalt Christ, make disciples, and equip the saints. Thank you for sharing some of your time with us today. May it elevate Jesus and encourage you. Let's get started. What's up, Elevate? So I am back up here, and that means that we are in Hebrews. Hebrews. Oh, that's close, but no cigar. Hebrews 11, specifically. Um, Everyone turn there briefly, because we will not be camping in Hebrews tonight. We will be mostly in Genesis. Hebrews 11, verse 20. It's not a very long verse. I'll read it. By faith, Isaac invoked future blessings on Jacob and Esau. It's not super riveting. It's not super long. That's our text. So now... If you would, turn your Bibles all the way back to Genesis, if you, if you have your, your copy on you, or your electronic copy that works too. All the way back to Genesis. We're going for chapter 27, and I'm actually going to lose my paper copy because it's all up in my way. One of you gets to have this. Happy birthday. All right. I hope most of you are there. <clears throat> Not reading just yet, but... This small, seemingly insignificant passage in Hebrews actually ties back to um, major, major occurrences in the history of our world and in the history of our faith. Um, In this passage, way, way before this verse in Hebrews ever comes into play, God is... God is starting the path of the lineage of Jesus. And so he sets this up throughout Genesis. And here it's where we see that God will bring the redeemer of the earth through one man. But then an issue occurs when, what happens when that one man has two sons? Who gets to be the one that Jesus will come through? And we're going to look at how their father responds to what God picks and not what he picks. So does anyone remember Isaac? Uh, Isaac from a few weeks ago when I preached. So Abraham, like his father, tied him up and put him on an altar. He was going to kill him because he was told by God to do so, but then he was spared. We're going to fast forward to the end of this man's life. Isaac is married. Isaac has two sons, and his favorite is his boy named Esau. It's his oldest son. They're twins, but one came out just before the other. And so they're, they're twins, but his favorite is Esau. He was a really hairy dude, a tough guy. He loved to hunt. He loved being in the woods. And his father loved the food he cooked. His eldest son was Jacob. And Jacob is the one that was the mama's boy. He was the homebody. He didn't really go out hunting. And he surely wasn't cooking for his dad often. And uh, his name, interesting enough, and this will be key for our story, means supplanter. And that's not a very popular word, but it means someone who uses trickery and deceit to take a position 
that is not theirs to take. One more necessary piece of information before we jump into our main body of text is this verse from Genesis 25. Rebecca is having problems with these two kids in her womb, these twins. They're fighting each other in the womb, and she cries out to God, like, what's going on here? And he responds to her like this. He says, two nations are in your womb, and two peoples from within you shall be divided. The one shall be stronger than the other, the older shall serve the younger. From this text, it's clear that according to God's plan, the younger son is going to dominate the older. But let's look at how their parents react to all this information. Uh, our main point tonight, if you're taking notes, is that the faithful repent. We'll be looking for that throughout the story, and hopefully we'll come to that at the end of the story. Our three points, if you're taking notes as well, is number one, Isaac's faithlessness. Two, God's faithfulness. And three, Isaac's faithfulness. Our first point, Isaac's faithlessness. Let's all turn, I hope you're in Genesis 27. Oh, go back a slide. We're in Genesis 27. If you're there, good. When Isaac was old, and his eyes were dim so that he could not see, he called Esau, his older son, and said to him, My son, and he answered, Here I am. He said, Behold, I am old. I do not know the day of my death. Now then, take your weapons, your quiver, and your bow, and go out to the field and hunt game for me, and prepare delicious food for me, such as I love, and bring it to me so that I may eat, that my soul may bless you before I die." Isaac here makes a request that is seemingly plain and simple in itself. My son, go out to the field, bring me back food. I'm going to bless you. And we wouldn't really bat an eye at that. But in truth, his request to get his older son to go out to the field and to come back and be blessed, this is a deviation from God's plan for this boy. See, Isaac was not supposed to bless Esau. Because remember, back to that verse we read, Esau, the older boy, is not the one that God picked. This is a deliberate deviation from God's plan. God has already said to Isaac and his wife Rebekah, the older would serve the younger. Isaac is intentionally blind, just like he's physically blind, to God's will. And we'll see how that unfolds in our next point. But for now, Isaac loved his oldest son. He didn't want to see the boy that he was so proud of being ruled over. He didn't care for Jacob as much as he cared for Esau. And the thought of Esau being bending a knee to Jacob, it rubbed him wrong. Because of his love for his son Isaac, because of his favoritism, he deviated from what God wanted. He sought to establish his favorite son with blessings and inheritance because he was going to try to do everything in his power to subvert the will of God and to establish his son. Let me illustrate what it looks like to go against God's plan. This, uh, it's a poetry. I hope you like it. You might not. There once was a girl from North Maine who thought she was an airplane. 
She jumped off a house, and twice did she bounce, and on the ground did she remain. The laws of gravity are undeniable and unchangeable, regardless of what you want to happen. And God's word is undeniable and unchangeable, regardless of what we want to happen. It's very easy to look down on these biblical characters for how they might try to subvert God's, God's will. Um, because we know that only fools are willing to do things like fight gravity. And only the faithless are willing to do things like fight God's will. But we can't look down on these guys too much because we are the same way. As sinful as they are, as insubordinate as they are, we're the same way with God. Spiritually, we're just as blind as Isaac. Romans 12, verse 2 says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Let's get a raise of hands. Who, who in here is good at determining what is good, acceptable, and perfect? That's the right answer. Good job, guys. None of us are good at determining what is good and acceptable and perfect because we're flawed humans and we're not very good at figuring out the will of God. Hmm. So Isaac likes to focus on his favoritism. You will know your mind is being renewed by what your favorite things are. So if you're taking notes... What are your three favorite things? Jot them down or shout some out to me. What, is, what are your three of your favorite things? Anybody? Food. Food. Sleep. Sleep. Gardening. Gar- oh, gardening. That's actually kind of admirable. Okay. Alex, you get a star. Um, now, compare your three favorite things to God's will and ask, are these things good, acceptable, and perfect? Or are they just beneficial for you? Isaac did not operate according to God's word to his wife and he. No, he had favorites. He had things that he wanted much more than he wanted the will of God to be carried out. His favorite things did not show that he was submitted to God. Prayerfully, as you grow as a Christian, your favorite things will change. If you were to write down your three favorite things now, in six months, in a year, they will be more aligned with what is good, acceptable, and perfect. So there you have Isaac's faithlessness, trying to subvert God's will, trying to manipulate. He deviated from God's plan because of his favoritism. Let's move on to the next point, this next portion of scripture. God's faithfulness. We've seen Isaac's faithlessness, Now we'll see God's faithfulness. Genesis 27, if you're still there, good. We're starting in verse five. Now Rebekah, this is Isaac's wife, was listening when Isaac spoke to his son Esau. So when Esau went to the field to hunt for game and bring it, Rebekah said to her son Jacob, I heard your father speak to your brother Esau. He said, bring me game and prepare for me delicious food that I may eat it and bless you before Yahweh, before I die. Now, therefore, my son, obey my voice as I command you. Go to the flock and bring me two young goats, 
so that I may prepare from them delicious food for your father, such as he loves. And you shall bring it to your father to eat, so that he may bless you before he dies. But Jacob said to Rebekah, his mother, Behold, my brother Esau is a hairy man, and I'm a smooth man. Perhaps my father will feel me, and I shall seem to be mocking him and bring a curse upon myself and not a blessing. His mother said to him, Let your curse be on me, my son. Only obey my voice and go, bring them to me. We have here a deception being hatched. This is a wife who is completely against her husband and a son who is willing to deceive his father. Let's see what happens. Does anybody know the story? We've got some, a few people at least who have heard it. I know the Carnes kids have. Jacob puts on his brother's, his brother's robe he puts on these goat skins that make him feel hairy. And he walks into the presence of his father with his delicious food, delicious food that his mom made. He says, Father, it is I, your son, Esau, sit up. Eat of my food that, that you may bless me. But right away, he's blind. Isaac's blind, but he's not dumb. And he can still hear. He says, this doesn't sound like my son Esau. So what's going on here? And he questions him. He says, is it really you, Esau? Yes, it's me. Well, come close to me so that I can touch you because you have the voice of Jacob. So he touches him. And he says, he feels hairy. This feels like my son's robes, Esau's robes. But why does it sound like Jacob? And he's skeptical. He did not recognize him fully. He said, are you really my son? And he said, yes, I am. And he believed him. And so he ate the food. He eats the food. And then it's coming time. Okay, are you going to bless me? Let me bring my dad some wine. He brings him wine. He drinks the wine. He's happy. There's one more test. He says, come here, my son. Kiss me. Come and kiss me on the forehead. And so he walks up and he kisses him. And when he does, he smells his son's robes. And then he's completely deceived. He believes it's Esau. And so he blesses him. Then his father Isaac said to him, come near and kiss me, my son. So he came near and kissed him. And Isaac smelled the smell of his garments and blessed him and said, see, the smell of my son is as the smell of a field that Yahweh has blessed. May God give of you May God give you of the dew of heaven and of the fatness of the earth and plenty of grain and wine. Let people serve you and nations bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers and may your mother's sons bow down to you. Cursed be everyone who curses you and blessed be everyone who blesses you. Let's don't forget that somehow this portion of scripture shows us God's faithfulness. I originally wanted to call this the deception, but... Dom and I spoke about it, and we changed it to God's faithfulness. We see immediately that Rebecca, Isaac's wife, is opposed to his blessing Esau. Why? If you look back at Genesis 25, after God tells them about the sons, it says in verse 28, Isaac loved Esau because he ate of his game, but Rebecca loved Jacob. This was a mama's boy, and his mom cared much about him 
and about his future. Jacob is his mother's favorite. So what does she do? Of course, she wants to do anything in her power to make sure that he is successful. So she hatches this deception and forces him to go along with it. But surely such a nefarious scheme would not be carried out by a good son. Unfortunately, Jacob is not a good son. Because remember, his name means supplanter. This is right up his alley. This is his M.O. And he only, he only hesitates whenever he thinks about it, bringing repercussions upon him. You've heard of stealing candy from a baby. Well, this is stealing blessings from a blind man. Jacob walks in wearing his brother's clothes. He tricks his dad. He lies left and right. And he walks out with the biggest blessing that he could have ever hoped for. What did God say would happen with these two boys in Genesis 25? Where is God's faithfulness? He said, two nations are... Sorry. Two nations are in your womb. Two peoples from within you shall depart. The older shall serve the younger. See, the plans that are going on now are not setting up this. They're not setting up God's will. But all of a sudden, this deception comes along and it aligns exactly with what God's will is for the younger to be above the older. Remember that God's word is unstoppable. It's like gravity, like a freight train, like a hurricane. It bows to no one. Don't think that this deception was just human trickery. This wasn't just favoritism. Don't take these events at face value. This was God's hand. He was using flawed humans to fulfill his divine purposes. Yes, these two people acted wickedly out of their own desires, but it aligned perfectly with what God planned to happen. No, God could not be boxed in. He could not. Our God is all-powerful, and his providence in this world accomplishes his purposes. See, God is faithful because what he says is always accomplished. We call this providence. Providence is God's hand at work in this world. We see, we see his providence in creation. God did not have to repeat himself in a more forceful tone ever to accomplish creation. It wasn't like a mountain, and it didn't appear. A mountain, and then it did appear. No, he's just powerful. He just does. His simple words, spoken once, held enough authority that all his commands were fulfilled. So what should be our response to the all-powerful providence of God in life? Well, the response that Isaac and his wife had was to ignore it. They completely ignored God's providence, and so by ignoring it, they both acted sinfully. But God's providence should strengthen our humility. They acted in pride. They acted in their own self-interests. Unlike Isaac and Rebekah, who ignored God and sought their own way, we should recognize the beauty of God's hand at work and submit ourselves to it. We need to get to work for God and be the ones who he uses to do his eternal purposes. Otherwise, we will seek our temporary purposes just like they did in this story. Our response to God's providence is compliance. It's submission. Faithful Christians comply with God's will. And where do you find God's will? There you go. Scripture.
Dive into God's word. Comply to what you, what you read. Read it. It brings life. God's providence is a wonderful thing. By it, he has always shown himself to be faithful. Now, on to our third point. How is it exactly that Isaac shows himself faithful? Because so far, we've only seen faithlessness. Point three, Isaac's faithfulness. Genesis 27, 30 through 33 As soon as Isaac had finished blessing Jacob, when Jacob had scarcely gone out from the presence of Isaac, his father, Esau, his brother, came in from his hunting. He also prepared delicious food and brought it to his father. And he said to his father, let my father arise and eat of his son's game that you may bless me. And his father, and his father Isaac said to him, who are you? He answered, I'm your son, your firstborn, Esau. Then Isaac trembled violently and said, who was it then that hunted game and brought it to me and I ate it all before you came? And I have blessed him. Yes, and he shall be blessed. Yes, and he shall be blessed. Have you ever been found out in your error? Have you ever been confronted in your sin? At the moment of your sin, Have you had it brought to light? Do you remember the feeling of shame and of recognition that you have been against God? That's what Isaac felt here. Funny that only 30 verses before these these right here, Isaac was trying to box in God by his will, but now we see that really it's Isaac who is boxed in by God's will. Now what Isaac has been trying to avoid all this time has happened. How does Isaac respond to God's will being brought about? You would think maybe he'd get really upset because he was obviously pretty strong in his favoritism before, but no. Here we finally see Isaac's change. He hits the brick wall of God's providence and when he's lying on his back, he feels humility. He realizes, I have been out of line. Stumbling around in my blindness, submission takes place. Isaac painfully confirms to Esau, his favorite son, that Jacob will surely be blessed. He doesn't try to take it back. He doesn't try to outbless himself. He stops trying to subvert God's will. Esau pleads with Isaac. He gets on his knees and says, bless me, bless me, please, even me. But he refuses to. Because Isaac finally gets it. Isaac gives his favorite son a lesser blessing. He said to Jacob, the fatness of the ground is yours and peoples will serve you. But to Esau, he only says, away from the fatness of the ground shall you live. It's poverty. And by your sword you shall live. That struggle. How painful it must have been to say that to his favorite son. There's no need to heap blessings upon Esau because God has not chosen to stand by Esau. God has chosen to stand by Jacob. And Isaac finally gets that. At the beginning of the next chapter, Isaac tells Jacob to leave and to go live with his relative Laban because at this point, Esau is so ticked that he wants him dead. He's trying to track him down to kill him. And so as Isaac sends off 
his younger boy, he tells him, God Almighty bless you and make you fruitful and multiply you that you may become a company of peoples. May he give the blessing of Abraham to you, to your offspring with you, that you may take possession of the land of your sojournings that God gave to Abraham. Now we see it. God's passing down the fulfillment of the Messiah coming to earth through Jacob. Isaac is submitted to it. This is the kind of blessing that God's chosen one should get. Isaac is completely repentant. Why? Because he was humbled. There was no convincing on Rebekah's part. Jacob did not come to him and say, Dad, this is just not right. You cannot do this. It is unfair. No. Isaac had been running from the Lord's will. But all of a sudden, he was stopped. He's humble. He's repentant now. Isaac's story of faith isn't like most. We hear of Noah building arks and, and Abraham living in the wilderness, and this just doesn't seem very extreme. But it's faith nonetheless. And it's faith that looks a lot like the kind of faith that we have. Is that you? Is God trying to humble you tonight? Have you been trying to subvert God's will, hearing the truth from God, but trying to sidestep it? You might be blind like Isaac was. Have you had run-ins with God's plan for your life and felt conviction, but always rejected it? Repent today. Don't wait any longer. I keep hearing this one country song, and I really don't like it that much, but... Late at night, whenever you're typing a sermon, apparently it'll keep coming back to your mind. I believe it's called Till You Can't, but it goes like this. If you got a chance, take it. Take it while you got a chance. If you got a dream, chase it, because a dream won't chase you back. If you're going to love somebody, hold them as long and as strong and as close as you can, till you can't. Okay. <laughs> this song is all about doing what you can't do later. But the poor guy who wrote it didn't have salvation in his mind whatsoever. But that is the chief thing in this world that you will not be able to do later. Calling your mom, marrying the girl, fishing with the family is nothing compared to spending an eternity with our Lord in heaven or with his wrath in hell. You need to know that this life doesn't matter except for that while you're in it, you are either faithful or you're not faithful. You're either subverting God's plan and trying to sidestep it or you're falling in line with it. You have a choice. You have a chance. Take it. Take it while you have the chance. Stop worrying about your favorite things and pursuing them on earth because they most likely don't even line up with what's godly, with what's perfect, with what's acceptable, with what's good. It's time that we all, it's, it's time that we all realize that, that God can't be boxed in by what we want. He is the unstoppable force with the unstoppable plan, and we've got to submit to him. And that submission shows your faithfulness. Let's pray. Lord, thank you that even in some of the strangest and most obscure stories, you reveal yourself. 
you reveal yourself to be active. God, to be providing for us. God, to be providing for your will constantly. God, thank you for showing us faith through someone who is faithless at first, the same way that we are. Strengthen our faith. Help us to rely on you and to recognize that we cannot get out of the way of your will. We love you, Lord. We praise you for your will. Thank you for what your son has done for us. Amen. Thanks for listening, and a special thanks to all of you who have subscribed, shared episodes, and left reviews. If you would like to learn more about Elevate, you can visit us at iloveelevate.com and follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Thank you for everything you do that brings faith, hope, and love to the world around you. Now go, follow Jesus. Thank you.